0: Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now
1: enjoy the service. Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to Exodus. Exodus chapter 1. Please remain standing, if you would. As we read Exodus chapter 1, this morning, as we are starting a series, uh, and we've actually started a series in the the book of Exodus, and... um, We are going to uh, continue that over the next um, nine weeks or so. Um, And I think that this would be a a help to us. And I want us to take a look at Exodus chapter 1, a time of hopelessness. A time here. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Sifra, and the other, uh, and the name of the other Pa. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them uh, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore, God dwelt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you for the privilege that's ours to be able to share your word once again. And, and Lord, I, I thank you for the service to this point. And I pray that you would help us as we take a look into your word, help us to be people that follow after you, that not only take principles and apply them to our lives, but follow you, that go after a person that we would not look at the Bible as just some good principles to follow but to understand and to get to know you. And Father, I pray that you would have your grace work in and through me and that you would do the work that only you can do. I pray that if there is one here this morning that does not know you that they would come to know you. Or for those who are watching online, Father, I pray that you would touch their hearts and that you would use your word. We ask this in your name, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Maybe may be seated. Some of you might, might remember a show called The A-Team. How many remember that show? Raise your hand. You remember that show, The Eighteen? Yeah, I, I love that show. I used to watch that show... All the time when I was much younger, and uh, some of you said, "Well, what's the A team?" Maybe some of you don't know the A team. You might have heard of a guy by the name of Mr. T. He out pity the fool," you know. That was his. That was his line. And uh, he was this big, strong guy, but had fear of flying. You remember that? He had fear of flying, and so they would always they would be flying somewhere, and they would have to figure out a way to dope him up so that he didn't realize that. But it was a good show. It was a neat show, but one of the main characters on that show would always say at the end of the show, I love it when a plan comes together. You know, throughout the show, it looked like they would, they would, they would fail; that their plan would fail, and, and many times it looked hopeless for the A team. That there's no way they're going to get out of the jam this time. There's no way possible. It seemed everything was against them, and and many times the plan didn't even work out the way that they thought the plan would work out. But in the end, they were always victorious. They always won. The plan came together. It may not have been the way they expected it to come together, but they won. This morning, I want you to think about something. God's plan may not always work out the way that you think, but it will always work out. God's plan may not always work out the way that you think, but it will always work out. You know, friends, God has a plan. And whether we we want to recognize it or not, God's plan is always right and it's always good. See, what happens to us many times when we look at God's plan is that we develop expectations. We develop some thought processes of how God is supposed to work out his plan. And that's what gets us into trouble see we start to strategize in our own mind about how everything should work out and and when it does not work out the way that we think that it should work out we start to become delusion to the point that we believe that God doesn't care anymore you say wait a second I don't know that that's true it is true you can see it all throughout scripture and especially in the book of exodus You don't have to go too far into the book of Exodus where Moses is following God's plan. But the children of Israel had other expectations for God. They became delusional and thought that God brought them into the wilderness so that he could kill them. Wait a second. God had already told them about the great promise, right? That I'm going to make you a great nation to their father Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. And all the nations of the world are going to be blessed because of you. But no, they became delusional because they expected God to work in a certain way. And when they didn't have water, exactly when they wanted water. And when they didn't have food, exactly when they wanted food. And when they didn't have shade, exactly when they wanted to have shade. Oh, it was like this. When they didn't have their creature comforts exactly when they wanted them. They became delusional and believe that God did not care about them anymore. See, friends, each of us have a choice this morning. You can follow man's plan and remain hopeless, or you can follow God's plan during a time of hopelessness and have hope. If the, Egypt, if the Israelites would have followed man's plan, they would have remained hopeless. But when we follow God's plan in a hopeless situation, we still have hope. But you've got to make that choice. And do you know what makes that decision for you? Whether you're going to follow God's plan or man's plan? Do you know what makes that what makes that you say, I wonder why I always struggle with going my way instead of God's way. You know what makes that decision for you? Your view of God. See, if you believe that God is always good, if you believe that God is always kind, if you believe that God is always gracious, if you believe that God is always right, if you believe that God is all-knowing, if you believe that he wants what's best for you, there is no choice, is there? Why would you have a hard time following someone who wants what's right for you, who loves you with an endless love, who, who will always direct you in the right way, never lead you the wrong way, never lead you the wrong way, See, we, the problem is we believe it here. We've got a lot of head knowledge, but we don't have a lot of practical application. And the way that you grow as a Christian is not through here, it is through applying what you know here and live it out. So, my question for you is how do you see God? What is your real understanding of God this morning? So how do you know about my real Pastor how do I know what I really believe about God Here you go your beliefs are realized through your behavior You might want to write that down Your beliefs are realized through your behavior It's not only what we teach It's what we tolerate right It's how we allow people to live and so, what you believe is really lived out through your behavior. And in this passage of scripture, we see a great deal of hopelessness. There is darkness, there is destruction, there is death. This, for the, 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 for the Jewish nation here, or the Jewish people, it is a time of hopelessness. What we see in chapter 1 is Genocide 101. The Egyptian government was oppressing and dehumanizing the Jewish people to eliminate them from the face of the earth. And with all this going on, with all this hopelessness, with all this darkness, with all this destruction, with all this death going on, there was still a promise from God that he had made to these people, but it had not been fulfilled yet. Do you realize that God made a promise to Abraham that he never saw the fruition to? See, so many times we only think that God is good when we get to see the end result. Sometimes God doesn't allow us to see the end result. He just wants us to trust him. Lest we forget that he is God and we're not. See, God promised a great blessing. He stated through the Jewish people that all the world will be blessed. But at this point, this group, in, in this people's group's history, there was nothing that looked like blessing. It looked like a curse. I want you to take a look at, at verses 13 and 14 here. Because it shows us the hopelessness of this situation. Take a look at uh, Exodus chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service when they made them to serve was with rigor. I want you to notice the word rigor. There is another application that has to do with serving to worship. But in this context here, Many times we think of this this word just simply as hard work. It does carry that idea of hard work, but it's a whole lot more than that. We think, man, somebody's worked really hard, or somebody say, man, they, they were rigorous in their work. We think, man, they worked really hard. That's not what Moses is saying here, or I should say, that's not all that Moses is saying here. It has to do with forced labor with violence. I want you to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 20 because the Bible gives us a visual example of what this looked like. It's mentioning this portion of scripture. So when Moses, as he's writing the book of Exodus here, when he says with rigor, he mentions it twice it is forced labor with violence. It wasn't that he was just saying, uh, hey, these guys had to work really hard. No, they were brutalized. They were dehumanized. They were treated like animals. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 20. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. In Deuteronomy 4.20, they're reflecting back at this time in Exodus chapter 1. And Moses records it this way. It's as if you were in an iron furnace. That's more than just hard labor, folks. See, what they were enduring, it was like being in a furnace. And I want you to see what's at work here. Because Pharaoh was doing everything that he could to mitigate the increase of the population of Jews. Take a look at verse 12, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12. But the more that they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The Bible mentions in Exodus chapter uh, 1 here two cities, Pithom and Ramses. And we might, we might just take that, oh, well, the Jews were, were used as slaves to build these cities. But I want you to see what's at work. Pharaoh was a, he was a politician to the core. He was underhanded. And it was more than them just saying, okay, look, you're forced labor. Well, you are slaves. You are going to uh, build these two cities for us. He was using the construction of these two cities here that Moses mentions to help keep the population from growing. See, these, these cities were not close to where the Jews lived and, and this took individual Hebrew men away from their families for long periods of time. And This type of separation would, t- would cut down on the time of conception. And not only would this have impacted the birth of children, but it will also impact their agriculture. See, it would be extremely hard to be a productive farmer and a slave laborer at the same time. This would cause some to starve to death because of lack of attention to their farm and livestock. There was also the issue of ill health. Folks, this was a hopeless time. This was dark. The people worked daily, endlessly, regardless of their physical condition. Many would die because of malnutrition or maltreatment or overwork. It was a hopeless situation, but in spite of it all, they continued to increase. What are we seeing about God in this drama of redemption? Each time the king moves his hand against the people of God, he tightens the noose around his own neck. See, what I'm saying is that God is at work. It didn't seem like God was at work. It didn't seem like a blessing could come out of this. It didn't seem like this dark, this death, this this destructive chapter that out of a hopeless situation could come hope. See, and in this passage, there are three truths that every Christian needs to grow in in order to live a successful Christian life. Here's three truths that I want you to get from this passage of Scripture. Number one, write this down if you would please. God is always working. God is always working. It may be that we don't always see that God is at work. And it may be that, quote unquote, God is working slowly or not on our timetable. But friends, God is always working. I want you to remember here, there were decades of maltreatment. These people were slaves for 430 years. It looked, from a human standpoint, hopeless. Decades and decades and decades of maltreatment. But God is always working. And many times, he's working behind the scenes. So you know what that means for you right now? That in your life, wherever you are at in your life, God is at work in your situation. He is continually caring for his people. He has a care for his people that is ceaseless. And sometimes it looks like in our lives that men are in control. Think about it, this pharaoh was very likely the the most powerful man in the world at this time. But he could not stop God's plan. (laughs) He was trying to stop, he was trying to mitigate, he was trying to reduce the increase of the children of Israel, and the more that he put uh, restrictions upon them, the more that they increased. You say, Pastor, you just don't know what my boss is doing to me. Pastor, you just don't know about that situation where that person has uh, authority over me. Pastor, you just don't know. No, I don't know about the situation. No, I don't know about all the circumstances. But what I can tell you is that God is always at work. And he is always at work with constant care for you. You've got to remember that truth. Secondly, God uses the weak and the powerless to fulfill his purpose and plan. God uses the weak and powerless to fulfill his purpose and plan. Take a look at verses 15 through 21. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Sephar, Sephar, and the other was Pah. And he said, When ye do the, the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives, and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively. And are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that He made them houses. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 1, and verse 26. See, because what we're finding in this portion of Scripture here in Exodus is that God uses the weak. And the powerless. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. What Paul has to say about this. For ye see your calling, brethren... How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence." That doesn't mean that God doesn't use talented people, but the, the, the whole thought process is that many times God uses the weak and the powerless, the ordinary. So many times you could say to me, well, Pastor, you just don't understand. I, I, I don't have any authority to be able to do anything about this situation. They don't care about me. I, I'm just one of the grunt workers It just doesn't matter to my family members. They look down on me. They could care less about what I have to say. Do you realize that God used five women to help save a nation? And he even used the king's daughter to help save a people. See, I need you. I want you to understand how weak and powerless these women were. I want you to understand the value system of the culture of that day, because women were not very favorably looked upon. A matter of fact, women were viewed as a step below cattle. Remember when Samson said, "You wouldn't have been able to find out at the riddle if you hadn't plowed with my heifer." That was actually a compliment. Women couldn't testify in court. Women could be traded. They would trade, sometimes men, uh, fathers would trade their daughters for things that could make improvements in their home. Women were viewed as subhuman. But a side note for you, it is Christianity... And the word of God that has elevated women to the equal status that they are made in the very image of God. And God used women to save a people. See, God would, God took, isn't it so ironic that God took what seemed to be weak and powerless and exchangeable and disposable to accomplish his purpose and plan. And you may, you may feel like today in your situation that you are, you are disposable in that situation, but God can use you, the weak, the powerless, the ordinary, to accomplish his purpose and his plan. See, never believe this morning, Christian friend, that you're too small or insignificant or you're too weak or too powerless for God to use you to accomplish his purpose and his plan. Did you get that? God will use you. All that you have to do is make yourself available. God will use you. To accomplish his purpose and his plan, if you'll just be available. The midwives were available. See, the first two truths that we must grow in as, as believers this morning is that God is always at work, God is at work. I don't know how many calls I got this week from people in our church and, and some that, uh, that, that may not be a part of our church that pastor, this person is, is near death and pastor, this person is near death and pastor, this person is dying and pastor, we've got this problem here and pastor, I've got this situation over here. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter where you find yourself today. God is always at work and he will use you to accomplish his purpose and his plan in your life for your good and his glory. We got to grow in that. It's more than just knowing it right here. I'm not telling you anything new this morning. And by the way, if I was telling you something new, it probably isn't from the Bible. All that I do every week is just tell you the same old story over and over and over again that Jesus saves. We're sinners. We need a Savior. We've got to grow in this. The third truth, fearing God is always the right choice. Take a look at verse 17 and 21 of Exodus chapter 1, if you will, please. But the midwives feared God. And did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men children alive. Verse 21. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them a house. Or he made them houses. Fearing God is always the right choice. You know, all of us fear something. But the fear that I'm talking about here is not the scared fear all of us fear something you say what do you mean by that what's it talking about here it's talking about all I remember I was out in Wyoming and uh, I used to go out there every year to preach to the Shoshone and the Arapahoe Indians in the Wind River Indian Reservation I've got a walking stick it's about this big hand carved by those Indians there it's up in my office and uh, it's got a cross on it and they've got all these different carvings on it I had it shipped back and uh, I love that thing, it's wonderful. Whoever preached at this, this uh, camp, this family camp, they would make one for, and so over the years I'd gone there multiple times, and it's to one of our missionaries, Rich Morgan. And one time when I was out there, he said, uh, have you ever seen the Grand Tetons? I said, no. He goes, would you like to? I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the Grand Tetons. That would be great. So I remember us, we were driving, and we went around a corner, and I saw these beautiful mountains. I said, is, is that them? He's like, no. I said, oh, wow, they're, they're pretty impressive. We drive, maybe 30 minutes later, we come around another corner. I said, hey, hey, is, is that them? He's like, no. A few minutes later, another range of mountains. I said, hey, that's got to be them right there. He's like, no. He says, look, you'll know them when you see them we came around the corner I remember I was sitting in the front seat of this beat up missionary van <laughs> came around the corner and I said that's them he said you're absolutely right I was blown away I was in awe I was like this is absolutely beautiful That's the idea here, that there was all, there was respect. All those other other mountains, they look like little moguls to, you know, they, they, they didn't look anything like the Grand Tetons. And that's what he's talking about here. There was all, there was respect Now listen, the reason that this is important, the reason that fearing God is always the right choice, that we are in awe of God, that we have great reverence and respect of God is because this shapes our lives and how we live. Remember what I said to you in the beginning of the message? about you know what you believe by your behavior and that comes from your understanding of God? So I'm bringing this all around for you today. So this fear that he's talking about that these midwives had great awe for God. That Hey, you got to realize that in that time that Pharaoh was looked upon as a god. He wasn't just not only a political figure, he was looked upon as one of the descendants of the gods that they worshipped and what his what his word was was law when he spoke something it was law it wasn't there was no branches of government like we have checks and balances if pharaoh said something it was an edict that went across and said this is it you will abide by it and see this all that they had it shaped their lives The Bible tells us that these women feared God. See, they had greater regard, they had greater reverence toward God than for man. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 5 because we see this illustrated here. Acts chapter 5. We see this in the lives of the apostles. Take a look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 27. And when they had brought them, Acts 5:27, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, "Did not we straitly command you that ye should not teach in His name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood upon us." Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, "We ought to obey God rather than men." Amen. See like Peter? And the other apostles, they follow God. So did these women. These women, what you have to understand is these women were extremely courageous. They risked their lives to follow the purpose and plan of God. Now listen, they didn't know the whole plan of God. See, we don't mind risking our lives for God when we know the plan, right? When we know the ending. That's not the way God does it. That's not faith. That's not trust. That's not understanding God. That's not having an awe and a respect. It's easy to follow when you know the end of the plan, especially in a hopeless time. They did not know the end of the plan. We have the advantage of reading the history of it, they didn't have that advantage. See, they didn't know the purpose and plan of God, but what they did know, they knew enough that what Pharaoh was asking them to do was wrong and contrary to what God wanted. Did you get that? They knew what the Pharaoh was asking was wrong and contrary to what God wanted. See, friends, this morning, you don't have to know the entirety of God's plan to fear him enough to follow his plan. You and I, we don't have to know the entirety of God's plan to fear him enough or to have enough respect for him or to reverence him enough or to have enough awe of him to follow his plan. See, what you need to understand and I need to understand is that these women's, their lives were at at stake because Pharaoh, at a drop of a hat, could say, kill them. They haven't followed my orders, kill them. And nobody would have questioned the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh was a god And these women knew that they would have lost their lives, or could have lost their lives, but they still feared God and did what was right. You say, What are you asking us, Pastor? Here, these women had placed their fear in the appropriate place. See, we cannot place our fear, our respect of man above God. We must learn that our fear must be appropriately placed. And what that does for us, it teaches us that we can live fearlessly. These women knew that they were doing what was right. We can act and follow God's word and not worry about what man will do to us. Is that not what the scriptures tell us? See, just because the intensity of the hostility, my friend, increases for you. We are to continually engage with a holy fear of God and a compassion for people. The Bible tells us we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry about what man will do unto us. God is our helper. And in the end, God blessed these women for fearing him. That's what the scripture says. See, this was a hopeless situation, but there was still hope. These are the three truths that we all must grow in this morning. That God is always working. Even if you don't see it, he's working. That God can and will use you to accomplish his purpose and his plan. And the fearing God is always, always, always the right choice. Okay. Now where do you need to grow in this morning? I gave you three principles, three truths. Which one do you need to grow in? Do you feel like you're hopeless and God's not working in your situation? You feel like God couldn't use you because you're a nobody, according to the world you're a nobody. Do you have more fear of man and what man might do to you instead of God? You're afraid to stand up for him? You're afraid what others might think? You're afraid how others may respond? Friends, I, I, I don't know where the Holy Spirit may be speaking to your heart this morning, and that's between you and God, but the simple fact of the matter is that if all of us in here grew in these areas, we would be much better Christians than what we are. God is always working. God can and will use you. And the fear of God is always the right choice. Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted Him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in Him, I would like to send you, free of charge, two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. is written by a friend of mine. What other religions don't tell you about the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible just like this one i like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you.